Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Fangirl Nation. Get My Job is back, and we're kicking off Women's History Month with a great episode as I am joined by ESPN and ESPNW writer and editor Charlotte Gibson. Charlotte shares the genesis of her love of storytelling, the importance of being detail-oriented when reporting, amplifying women's voices, and so, so much more. This episode is really fun and inspiring, so make sure to subscribe, listen, review, and enjoy. And with that, let's get to it. Charlotte, welcome to Get My Job. I'm so excited you're joining me today. And you are our first episode back after hiatus, first episode of Women's History Month, so extra special. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And to kick off Women's History Month, even better. I love it. Well, I want to jump right in because you've had a really incredible journey to this point from athlete to writer to editor, and I want everybody to kind of hear the genesis of it. So if you can start by starting us with your professional journey and how you got to where you are today. Yes. I love this question because I'll be honest, I have always wanted to be a writer, but I never knew that I wanted to be a sports journalist despite playing sports my entire life. You know, I, from a young age, was in sports playing basketball and volleyball and softball and then golf. And, you know, just sports was just such a huge part of growing up for me. But I always thought, I'm not going to be a sports journalist, you know? Mm -hmm. I I couldn't see myself in that place. Um, And then I went to college at UC Santa Cruz where I played golf. And during my time there, I was a literature major, a world literature major, and cultural studies, and then film and digital media. We actually did not even have a journalism school or communications, English, like the majors were very different there. But that really just, you know, reignited this idea for myself that I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to pursue writing, but not from the fiction standpoint. I really Mm -hmm. wanted to do it from a journalism standpoint. I love details. I love to observe. I love to talk to people. Um, You know, I'm definitely someone that just is always kind of taking note and taking data of what's going on around me. And during my time at UC Santa Cruz, I did intern on Capitol Hill. I thought maybe I wanted to go into politics and do political journalism. And that was great. But I mean, a few months in, I was like, I couldn't do this forever. This is not for me, which is why you do those internships, right? And then I thought, you know, I need to have a little bit more of a formal training in journalism to see, again, if this is what I want to do. So I applied for to Columbia Journalism School, and I got in. I only applied to Columbia Journalism School, which, look, that was a risk in and of itself, but I was in a place where I thought, that's where I want to go, and if I don't go there... I'll do an internship, I'll do something else, but let's see, you know, let's see what happens. And it was a 10 month program in and out. So during my time at Columbia Journalism School, I had a few professors, you know, express to me like, you know, sports and you have a passion for this and a heart for this. And I don't think you realize how big of a deal that is. You know, you're Mm -hmm. in a really great position as a woman, as a woman who knows what she's talking about to be in that place. And I was at this point, it was in 2014 and 15, you know, for me, I felt like that was a time where things were changing for women in sports, especially from a journalism standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it took a little bit of encouraging from my professors at Columbia because I looked around me and my colleagues, you know, at Columbia and 
you know, my other classmates, they were pursuing like big cultural and, you know, political stories and international stories, world affairs. And I thought sports, it just seems so not that important, you know, Mm -hmm. in the scheme of things. And I want to do something important. I want to do something amazing with my career. And my professors were like, you can, who says you can't? Mm-hmm. And that really stuck with me, right? They're like, you can tell those human interest pieces in the sports world and you can do, you can define whatever career you want. So I actually got hired at ESPN shortly after graduating from Columbia Journalism School. And it was a foot in the door position. And that is something that I am forever grateful for because it was humbling, right? I just graduated with my master's from Columbia mm-hmm. Journalism School. And I essentially got a project position at ESPN where I was cutting like first take videos all day long, writing headlines and captions. So those videos that you see on ESPN.com, that's mm-hmm. what I was doing all day. Highlights, uh, first take, sports center clips, and just writing headlines and captions. And it was so humbling because, you know, here I am thinking I should, you know, have bylines right now. I should be a name. And and I think that's just the culture that we live in, especially now more than ever. You want that instant gratification. And I remember my mom telling me like, no, this is how it goes. Right. You have to work hard. And it's hard because I looked around me and some of my best friends from Columbia, they were already reporters at different publications. And, you know, they were already having bylines and making a name for themselves. And meanwhile, I'm like working in the basement of a building cutting first take videos all day. And that was hard. And then I thought, you can either decide that that's hard or you can do something about it. And you're already in. So now Mm -hmm. let's navigate. And I knew I wanted to be at the magazine. I always wanted to be working for a magazine in some capacity. You know, there was an allure of that, especially as a writer. I think you're always like, oh, magazine, features writing. It was so special to me. And ESPN, the magazine was, you know, really at that point doing amazing things and winning awards and being recognized as one of the best sports journalism magazines in the world. And so I networked, I got made my way over there as a fact checker. So again, another humbling experience, the job that I was offered was a part-time fact checking job. And it was honestly one of the best experiences I could have because I was working with top senior writers, right? Thompson, Seth Wickersham, you know, mm-hmm. Taffy, uh, all of these amazing writers working hand in hand with them on these feature stories. And as a fact checker, you're not reporting, you're not doing anything. Again, the things that I wanted to be doing at that point, I still wasn't doing necessarily. But what I was doing was essentially getting a second education in journalism at the magazine. And so you just grind and then, you know, you express your interests. I had interest in telling golf stories, women's golf stories, women in sports stories. And I made that known. And, um, you know, I made it known that I knew what I was doing and I was able to do that through fact checking, right? You can Uh can flex your skills. We can all do that in different ways. Um, and then I got offered a reporter researcher job and then that turned into a editor and writer position. And so, you know, every step of the way, it's been a part of the journey and it's gotten me to where I am today, which is I'm in a you know blessed position to be a writer and editor for ESPN.com and ESPNW. And I get to tell the stories that I want to tell um, and you know really amplify the voices of women in sports. And that is just like the dream come true. But that's like the long, <laughs> that's the long and short version of my story. But I really do feel like, you know, you got to get your foot in the door somehow and that'll just lead you if you have your mission. And I'm still on that mission. Like we're just getting Mm -hmm. started. That's how I feel. 
Football may be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage. It's the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, you, and you said a few things I'd like I'd like to unpack. First of all, you said you looked around at your other classmates who maybe right off the bat were had bylines and stories. And, and you looked around and said, I, I think I'm supposed to be here and I'm not supposed to be here. But you embraced where you were. And I think that's so important in today's world. Even fast forwarding now, I know when that was you, that was a few years ago. And so much has changed in the world of instant gratification and social media. And so what tips do you have? Because I think that's a very big thing for people where we tend to look around and say, oh, he's already doing this or she's already doing that. So how did you, I know your mom was very helpful in that way, but what tips would you have for people today dealing with the same kind of things? I'll be honest, I still deal with this on a regular basis. And I think to your point, it is hard today. I mean, because Mm -hmm. of social media, we're constantly comparing ourselves. Even when we don't think we're comparing ourselves, we're we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And I find myself in places, you know, every once in a while where I am in a place of, oh my gosh, they just got to go on this podcast or they had to do this TV appearance or they're being recognized for this storytelling. And why wasn't my story recognized? I thought it was just as good. Or, you know, why wasn't I asked to go on this TV appearance? Why wasn't I asked to cover this? And that can be really hard, right? And it Mm -hmm. can quickly put you in a very insecure position. And I think for myself, when I get to that place, I just have to remind myself that I'm on my own path and Mm -hmm. I have to stay in my lane, you know, and stay in my lane, just meaning I cannot look to my right or left at what others are doing. And Mm -hmm. I have to have my blinders up a little bit. Like I know that my journey is going to look different than the person next to me and that's okay. And my goal always is to just tell the best stories that I can tell. And so I find in those moments, if I can take my ego out of it, which is the hardest part, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's most crucial. And then it's just sometimes I have to just set, like shut down social media, to be honest. Sometimes that's the best way to go about it. You know, you just have to shut it down and you can't look at it. And you have to remind yourself, like, look at all of these things that I'm blessed with in my life. Um, you know, even if it's just writing down like three things that I'm grateful for <laughs> at the start uh-huh. of the day and at the end of the day that so be it, you know, those little tools can be helpful. But um, I run into this a lot. And it's, it's hard. And especially I think women in sports, we deal with this a lot, because still, there's not that many of us, it's a growing number, but it's so easy to go, why? Oh, my gosh, she's doing this, or she's doing this. And that's the last thing I ever want to do is, you know, I want every woman around me to just be celebrated and to be supported. And so if I'm ever in those moments, I think I just have to shut it down. It's just really like that self-talk that I'm in my own place and I got to just stay in my lane and my time will come. If it hasn't come already, it'll come. And, you know, really the storytelling is what matters most. So taking that ego out of it. 
And that's not an easy thing to do, but an important thing to do. Uh, and the, the ego is a very, it's a very big thing in all facets of our lives and taking stock and saying, is this my ego? Is this, is this me? And that's, that's definitely an important thing. So switching gears a little bit, you played golf at UC Santa Cruz. You went to Columbia, you, you had your a position at ESPN, you were fact checker, all of these things lead me to this question, which I know is taking a long time to get to, but what are some things you learned early on as a reporter and how was an, being an athlete before that, how has that been helpful to you in your career? I think being an athlete has really just shaped who I am in all facets of my life. But career-wise, you know, I'm a hard worker. I, I like to say like I'm a hustler because I I hustle. I definitely don't take no for an answer. I'm scrappy. Um, you know, I'm a typical type A journalist. I like to have <laughs> all of my ducks in a row and um, I like to over-report. And I think over-reporting is, you know, something that just is natural to me because I like to be prepared. And I think as an athlete, you want to be prepared as a golfer in particular, because that was really my sport. Mm -hmm. Um, and still is, I still play golf, but you know, I can't expect to go out and have a good round if I haven't been on the driving range, if I haven't practiced my putting and my chipping and, you know, if I haven't been in the gym and all of those things. So you know, same with reporting and same with storytelling for myself. It's like, if I'm prepared, if I've gone through and exhausted my source list, if I've made sure that I have paid attention to all of the small details and, you know, have my notes in order. And sometimes my notes are crazy. Like sometimes I can't even read my own handwriting and which I think is, you know, people think I probably have great handwriting. It's terrible and atrocious. And my Moleskine notebooks look like that. (laughs) Yeah. My, it's like, sometimes I'm like, I don't know what this says. But at least I wrote it down because then you know, it helps me remember it. Um, so I think just really over-preparing is something that just being an athlete has taught me. And I don't mean like over-training because I don't want that to be the message here, but right. really just making sure that I've put in the time and work. Um, and then I'm really detail-oriented. And again, that could be because I'm, you know, I was a golfer and details are important in golf. You know, every little thing makes a difference. Uh, you're essentially trying to get this like small ball into a hole on this huge golf course. It's crazy. (laughs) All those details matter. So for me, I really pay attention to all the fine details. And I think the best storytelling really is the stories that have those great little details and those notes. And, you know, what are you picking up on that other people aren't picking up on? Um, Even in a press conference, you know, what body language is an athlete, you know, portraying that you can utilize in your story. I think that's really important. So for me, I think like just being prepared and being detail oriented has directly affected my journalism career from sport. So also just, you know, like I said, that hustle mentality, you know, you want to just hustle. And like, if you don't have that spirit of hustling, then I don't really know, like, you're not going to make it in, in a, in this career, right? It's hard. It's a competitive career. And sometimes it's not always that rewarding, you know, sometimes it can feel like, gosh, am I, what am I doing here? Like, is it matter? And does it matter in the big scheme of things, but you got to hustle and you got to want it. And, um, I think just that fiery passion, that's also just from sports. I was always like that, always a competitor in a good way, not like a crazy competitor way, but in a good competitor way. When did you realize you wanted to be a storyteller? Were you, I mean, were you a little kid? Was it later? Um, but it, cause it feels to me just in talking to you right now, you're a natural storyteller. So I'm just kind of wondering when that first started. I think as a little kid, definitely I'll say, you know, I 
was very shy growing up. And I mean, and when I say growing up, like so shy up until the age of 18, really, until I went to college. And golf helped me break out of that shell a lot. And it was, you know, again, I, I really say like my mom, she's a driving force behind me. She's a single mom. And just everything that I have today is really because of her. And she made sure that, you know, I wasn't going to go off to college as this shy girl who couldn't speak up for herself or stand up for herself. And, you know, she put me into golf with a mission. She was like, I'm going to make sure that you go on the golf course and you have to meet new people and you have to be around, you know, people that aren't just other girls your age. You're going to be with the boys. And I competed a lot against the boys and that helped me in so Mm -hmm. many ways, but it just helped me, you know, really just break out of my shell a little bit. Um, and as a young child, though, as a storyteller, I mean, I think I was shy and I love to read. I still love to read, but that was really my source of joy. Um, going to the library during lunch and, you know, I mean, that was it for me. So I was definitely a nerd for sure. (laughs) And just reading, you know, really sparked that joy for me, um, and made me want to be a storyteller. And I think then my mind just that's how it works. I'm always telling stories. Um, and you know, you probably feel this way too, as storytellers, you're just storytellers. And every time, even if you're just telling a story to your friend about a date you had, you know, the uh-huh. week before, it's like, I've created this whole narrative and that's just who I am. And I love that. But I think that just comes from being a little girl and loving to read and finding so much like peace and joy in going to a library at lunch and reading a book and getting a new book. I think that's really where it comes from. Getting lost in that world. Yes, exactly. And then creating your own world, you know, you're seeing things so differently. And again, that's where those little details, like I'm probably calling out details in my own personal life that maybe someone else wouldn't be paying attention to, but to me, they matter. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why they matter because I'm going to tell you a story about it, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and that's, but that's true. I mean, that's, I I mean, I think stories are made in the details because anybody can say, on Sunday, the Green Bay Packers lost the Minnesota Vikings, and it was a game-winning touchdown throw by Kirk Cousins, and the Vikings improved to three and two. Whatever it is, anybody can say that. But it's the details. And what was Kirk Cousins' body language like in the press conference? What was he like at practice that week? What did what did change? You know that kind of stuff. And that yeah. is important. That the details are are what make it all work. Absolutely. And just being an observationalist, right? And again, I think that stems from that shy childhood. You are just observing a lot because I'm, I like to call myself an extroverted introvert. And, mm-hmm. you know, people are like, oh my gosh, no, you don't seem like an introvert at all. And I'm like, I am. I need that time by myself. And I am doing so much more observing than people realize. Um, which could be a good or a bad thing. I don't know. Take take it as you want. But I think it's a good thing. It's a positive it's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just that from being a, a young kid who you know my mom has a big personality, my sister has a big personality, and just kind of like sometimes letting them shine and then just observing everything else. And so that to me is again just rooted in that like shy little girl. But I mean, she's always going to be here with me. It's just now yeah. we have a voice. Now we've we've learned our voice a little bit more. I like that. Now you've learned your voice a little bit more. I like that a lot. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, 
it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you could use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans started under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com believe or use the code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Switching gears, uh, when you were starting out, what was the criticism you received that maybe threw you a little bit and whether that brought that shy girl back or it made you work harder or, or something in that in that realm? I think you kind of just hit it. I think early on when I wasn't necessarily super secure Mm -hmm. in the sports world as a sports journalist, especially as a young woman, I wasn't always super secure. And I would resort back to some of those shy behavioral patterns, you know, and Mm -hmm. I wasn't as maybe aggressive as I could have been um, when asking questions or, you know, going after the stories I wanted to. And I think the criticism wasn't from anyone on my team. And it was really just from like PR people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, essentially being like, you're not going to get this story unless you go in there, like you got to just go for it kind of thing. And so I think, you know, and I had to have conversations with my editors and, and the people around me, just like how when I'm in those situations, when I'm in a clubhouse, and I have to get these quotes, and I have to get these stories done but I get really nervous. Um, and I still get nervous. You know, I still get my heart rate (laughs) will increase, you know, I get a little red. Um, I get nervous and I think it's just really about like finding that sense of security. And then the criticism though, is because if you're so nervous and then you aren't getting everything you need to be getting and you have to go back and, you know, kind of retrieving those things, it's just like being prepared and making sure that it's almost like game day, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. when I show up for an interview, you just have to be fully prepared to get what you want and almost not take, I think my other thing was just like, I'm a sensitive person and Mm -hmm. I can't always take things so sensitively in this career. And that was the advice, you know, it's like criticism is great from editors and all of those things, but sometimes people are going to reject you and, you know, subjects are going to say no, uh, editors are going to say no to ideas. And I think it's really just kind of like having a little tougher skin and realizing it's not you. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it kind of all goes back to that ego thing. Like it really, most of the time, it had nothing to do with me at all. And you can't always please everyone. And that's hard. You know, I think some of us are more people we lean towards being people pleasers and myself included. And sometimes, you know, I just want to be liked. (laughs) I mean, human nature, you just want to be liked. And sometimes you're not going to do that in this career, in this field. And so, um, you know, I think it's just kind of, it's been a mix of things. I think I've been rather lucky though, because sports allowed me to realize like constructive criticism is a good thing and that's just going to make you better. So I think sometimes my mind doesn't even realize if someone is being critical (laughs) to what I'm doing, but, um, just essentially like, you know, not everyone's going to like you in this career and that's okay. 
Or in life. Or in life. Exactly. That's okay too. It's hard. Okay. But Mm -hmm. in life, going back to the idea of being nervous, because I think that's something, especially for our journalists just starting out who are listening, that is a real thing. And I think we all feel it sometimes. I mean, I even feel it sometimes. You know, when I'm in a press conference after a very bad loss and I have a question, you know, sometimes I get nervous because you don't know how anyone's going to react. And however they react, going back to what you said, will have nothing to do with me and everything to do with that bad loss. But I think we still all get nervous. Do you have tips or things that you do to try to counteract that? Or do you just kind of embrace it as part of who you are in the job and move forward? I really feel like if I go into an interview with my research, you know, I've done my research, I've done my pre-reporting, my background reporting, I am way less nervous because I know my subject in and out. If I don't know my subject in and out, if I have not done my research, if five minutes before I'm Googling their name, I'm going to be nervous. It's going to be really like nerve wracking for me because I'm not going to feel prepared. I'm going to be nervous that I'm going to ask a question and they're going to go, that didn't happen. So for me, just preparation has been key in kind of calming my nerves. And then also just making sure I'm doing other things in my personal life, working out, um, taking care of myself. Maybe if I know that I have a big thing that day, I'm not going to drink two cups of coffee because that's going to make me more nervous. So, you know, I think sometimes we, we overlook all of those small details too. Like you can have a much better control over your nerves and your nervous system in general, just the little things that you do. You know, if I give myself two hours in the morning instead of one or whatever I need so that I'm not rushing. Cause if I'm rushing to an interview, then I'm going to be 10 times more nervous. So all of those little things help. But for me, it's really, you know, pre-reporting and background reporting, which is something that I really did learn at Columbia Journalism School. Um, you know, we learn like even before you pitch a story, you have to have your pre-reporting and background reporting, not completely done, but, you know, make sure that you know the subject you're pitching here um, and you know it well enough that if people ask you questions, you have answers or at least you know where to find those answers. So calming my nerves is just really about being prepared um, and making sure that I have the tools I need going into an interview. And then look, like I, like I said, I get red, I sweat. That's normal. It is. It is what it is. And now I, sometimes I just don't even realize I'm like, it's just going to happen and it's okay. You know, you got to just say everyone is nervous and no one is really paying attention to me in that moment. If you're in a press conference, you know, no, they're just all, everyone's nervous. Everyone's like focused on themselves and the question they're about to ask. So it doesn't really matter. Like you're there to do a job and you just got to keep moving forward. But nerves can be good too, right? Like sometimes nerves are necessary in really excelling in what you're doing. Well, absolutely. And it's, and it means kind of you're taking it seriously and that you are excited. You have pride in what you're doing and you want to do it well. And you just said something else that I think is really important to highlight. No one's paying attention and it's good life advice. We spend so much time worrying about what did this one think? What does that one think? Et cetera, et cetera. And at the end of the day, everyone is very focused on themselves and not, not in a bad way, not an ego way. It's just that everyone's there to do a job. Everyone in that press conference has questions to ask on a deadline, things to do. And so people are not quite as focused on us or on you. And we all, and that's an important thing for us to remember. Um, Absolutely. And look, again, I don't always remember that, you know, like we talked about comparing ourselves earlier. I don't always remember that. And, you know, I, I think it is true though. Everyone's just like, oh my gosh, 
is so-and-so thinking about me? What are they going to, you know, am I being judged? And it's like, no, we're just all judging ourselves a little too harshly. So sometimes you just have to really give yourself grace in all of these situations. You know, if you find grace, then you're like, okay, it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's true. It's it's very true. And giving yourself grace is such an important, very important thing and a very important message. Uh, and a little bit leads me into my next question somewhat. Um, I was going to ask you if there's a misstep you see women making going into the industry. And, and the reason I say it leads me in there a little bit is I think one thing I see is that we don't give ourselves enough grace and we don't give ourselves a break. But are there other things that you're seeing that you would love for, you know, young women coming into the industry to, to hear it and realize are okay? I think, I mean, first of all, yeah, giving yourself more grace and I think allowing yourself the opportunity to, I think, you know, Michaela Schifrin just said it recently, like it's okay to fail and it's okay to realize like you need those missteps to guide you in the right direction. And it's not always going to be perfect. Again, you know, sometimes I think a lot of us, especially women journalists, women media members, we like to be perfectionists. You know, there's a reason why we chose this career. And a lot of us have very similar personality types. And, you know, it's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to be the way that you, you know, kind of planned. And that's okay. Um, Give yourself grace. And then just really, you have to stop comparing yourself to others. You can't. And again, it's easier said than done. But um, I know from a physical, you know, physical appearance, I do that way more than I should be doing. Um, you know, I'll look at other women in the industry and think, well, they have this going for them or this, and that's why I'm not in that position. And, you know, I think that's just the worst thing ever. I think right now, more than ever, young women in this field, we just need to really band together. Um, and, you know, that was hard early on in my career. I definitely did have other women be the harshest critics of me and put me down the most. And um, that's not a great feeling, right? Because, I'm so like pro women and, you know, amplifying my sisters and supporting them and, you know, doing everything I can to lift them up. And sometimes women can be the harshest to other women. And Mm -hmm. so my advice is just to, you know, rather than see the woman next to you as your competitor, see her as your ally and someone that can help you and you can help her. And just because, you know, she's kind of getting gains in one aspect of her career doesn't mean that that's going to hurt you. That's going to only help you. Um, So I think the misstep for women, particularly in this field, is just comparing themselves to other women, to be quite honest. And look, we can go into that and what that means and, you know, how in a male-dominated industry, it's like quite funny that that's the case. But I think it's because it's a male-dominated industry, there still aren't that many women. And so rather than, you know, comparing yourself to the men or, you know, being competitive with the men, which we certainly are, of course we are. But I think a lot of the times the women are kind of pinning themselves against other women and that's troublesome, right? So avoid that at all costs and and find your community. And, you know, even you and I, we met just a few weeks ago and we met at this event though, that was just a group of women who were in the same industry together. And we wanted to band together to remind ourselves, like, there are some amazing people in this industry and we can help each other and we can grow together and learn together and support each other. And, you know, maybe I have a resource for you or vice versa. And I think that's just such a beautiful thing. And young women, I just hope now more than ever, they just realize like, 
we're like sisters in this together um, and just support each other from that end. Don't, don't do the comparison thing and don't put other women down because that's just not going to work well for you in the end. And if we're banded together and working together, it won't always be a male dominated industry. If we're helping each other and creating more and more opportunities, there won't be this feeling of, well, there are only so many positions and only so many women. There should be just as many positions for women as men. And and as much as we need men to be our allies, we also need to be each other's allies. And it's a very important part of this. Right. And you know, how often do we say like the, the boys club, right. And Mm -hmm. all of that. And, it's like, yeah, there's definitely that boys club and it's going to exist. And we need the support of the men. We need that. And I've been so blessed to have really amazing men in this industry who are dear friends of mine, who have supported me on this journey and who are there for me and, you know, definitely are allies. But I think if we're always just saying, well, it's a boys club, it's a boys club, then that's going to derail us as well, right? And so to your point, like, let's stick together. And then more women will go, wow, look at those, look at that group of women. I want to be a mm-hmm. part of that. That looks amazing. That looks fun. Because it can be hard when you feel like you're the only one. And we've all been in those positions, especially in sports. You know, you're the only woman in the press conference. You're the only woman covering a certain story, um, whatever it may be. And and that can be a hard feeling. But, you know, you also just, there has to be one to get it going, you have to, <laughs> there has to be one. So that's very true. I like that. There has to be one. And then, and then we grow from there. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. All right, before we get into five fun facts, we're going to get into my other favorite part of every episode, which is, can you take us through a day in the life of Charlotte Gibson? I love the days in the life because they're just, we get to see so many different ways that people, you know, do their jobs and and live their lives and how women in sports uh, work. So you can pick any day. It can be whatever you think uh, would be kind of the most interesting to share with us. Well, you know, I think that's the best part about being a writer and an editor in this field is that every day is so different. Um, Mm -hmm. And right now I live in Los Angeles. I work remotely, um, which before the pandemic, that was not the case. Obviously, I was going into an office every day, but I currently live at home in Los Angeles. And so most of my days, no matter what day it is, they start off around 6 a.m. because I do work East Coast time, but my dogs, I have two senior dogs, and I'm telling you right now, they are like newborn babies despite being very old, (laughs) and they wake me up early, and they want their breakfast, but it's good. I need to be up early, so around 6 a.m., we're up, 
feeding the dogs, uh, having coffee, usually taking them on a walk, an early morning walk if possible. Um, and then I am that person that just uh, like right away, I'm on my emails and on Slack. Um, and then I like to make sure that I read the New York Times. I read the daily briefing. That really helps me check into Twitter, see what I missed. Obviously check ESPN.com. You know, you almost just go through that like, it's like your morning breakfast. And that was yeah. also something I learned at journalism school. They were like, your breakfast should also be keeping up with the news. That's just, if you want to be in this field, that's just the way it goes. Um, so that's something I always just do. You know, I always tell myself that I'm going to wake up earlier so I can like meditate and maybe read a little bit. That never happens. It just is not happening and that's okay. Um, also same thing with working out when I, I ran the New York city marathon in November. And so I had to That's wake amazing. up train. Yes, it was incredible. And like the best thing ever, I highly recommend if anyone ever wants to run a marathon, I think you should do it. But you know, I had to be on a really like intense training schedule. Now I'm not. So again, you can put those expectations on yourself, but I'm telling you right now that usually doesn't happen for me. Then I'm really in front of my computer. Um, it's not that glamorous, but I'm in front of my computer. I'm usually on like three to four Zoom meetings a day, brainstorm meetings. Right now I'm working on an SC featured story. So it's a lot of interviews for that. Um, you know, I'll say, I'll just last Thursday, kind of same thing. I was Zoom meetings, calls, and then I got to go to She Believes Cup. Um, in Carson, California. So that's kind of the day though. Usually it's like you wake up early, you handle the dogs, <laughs> get myself coffee, uh, read the news, hop on Zoom calls on my computer for way more you know, than I should be, than I want to be. And then usually going to now that we can go to events and cover things in person, usually going somewhere, um, especially when I'm working on a big story. And then you know, I have pushed myself to be a lot more social lately. That was a goal of mine for 2022, um, you know, to make sure that I was really taking care of my personal life. And so most nights now you can find me out, you know, with dinner, friends and drinks with friends or playing golf, um, just making sure I'm doing something for myself at night. You know, I think that's really important, even if it's 30 minutes of working out. So that's kind of like a cluster. It's not an exact day because every day is different, but it usually is just dogs work, fun, dogs work and fun. That's it. Well, and I think the, the fun part is really an important part and we need to have an outlet for ourselves. And I, people on the podcast hear me say this all the time. I don't like the word balance because I think it's, it's an unfair impossibility because you're not going to be balanced every day, but it's how you balance generally. And I do think the the time for yourself is really important. And like, like for me, when it's not football season, like football season is football season. So right. I'm working on weekends and I'm going to have to be on top of things you know, every night, no matter what, but, uh, even, even we're recording this on a Monday, even Sunday night, I got a work email for to something to look at for a meeting on Monday. And I was like, I'm, I'll look at it on Monday. I'm yes. just, I'm when I can set the boundary, I'm setting the boundary. And I think it's really important. Absolutely. So. And I think it's kind of knowing, you know, what your priorities are in that moment. And so for myself, you know, I did play golf last week with some friends and it was, you know, we played at 3 p.m. So I'm again, I'm lucky I work East Coast time. So mm -hmm. I was done with all my meetings for the day and we started at 3 p.m. But then I had pitched a story earlier in that day and an agent got back to me and he got back to me at 9 p.m. It was late. You know, I had already finished golf and had dinner with my friends and had just this jolly time. And I was thinking, I'm going to go to bed early tonight. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get my rest. And then 
because I was tired. It was, it was a long day. And then for, you know, three hours I was going back and forth with this athlete and we're trying to figure out the story and where to land it. And, you know, that's just part of the process. It's not to your point, like balance is hard to strike and you're not always going to strike it, but sometimes you got to take those calls. And then sometimes also for me, it's like, I got to go tee it up with my friends. That's important too. Um, it's important to, you know, be on the golf course for myself and enjoy the time with my friends or go out to dinner with friends and family. That's just as important sometimes as, you know, responding back to an email and taking that call. 100%. Well, Charlotte, this has been awesome. Uh, I can't let you go yet though, because we have to do five fun facts. And so everyone that listens to this podcast, I think, but for those of you who are new here and Charlotte, you may not know this, this is something I started with the 49ers players and we do a, a little video and they tell me five things about themselves on this podcast though. We ask everybody the same five questions every episode, which has been for lack of a better term, very fun because we get uh, different answers every time. So without further ado, five fun facts with Charlotte Gibson. Charlotte, what is your favorite moment in sports? Tiger Woods winning the 2019 Masters. That is one of my favorite moments. I mean, this is the hardest question. And I, when you said, you know, when you told me that we would be doing this, I'm like, this is hard. But Tiger Woods winning the 2019 Masters. I cried. I definitely cried. Um, That's my favorite moment in sports history that I think I've witnessed. I mean, there are so many to name. Lisa Leslie dunking for the first time is something that I will forever hold very close to my heart because I thought that I was going to be a Lisa Leslie like basketball player (laughs) at my young age. Um, I'm five, five, that did not work out for me, but tiger winning the masters a few years ago, I think was just such a huge sports moment and just a life moment. Um, it was so special. So definitely. What is your life motto? Um, whatever is meant to be will be, as a type A control freak, I have to live by that and remind mm-hmm. myself that the universe will work its magic and whatever is meant to be will be. I agree with that one. And I like that one a lot. What is your go-to workout? This varies. It really depends. Like I was obviously super big into running. That was my go-to workout. Mm-hmm. And I still love to go for a run. You know, three miles can clear my mind, but um, anything Peloton, this is a Peloton household. So, you know, I'm obsessed with if it's just like doing a 10 minute core and, you know, doing a 10 minute like arm workout. I love that. Um, but I am definitely that person that every season I'm loving a new exercise. You know, sometimes it's yoga, sometimes it's running. I think for me, it's just about moving my body 30 minutes a day. That's all that I care about. What is your go-to coffee order? Definitely a cold brew, um, black, just plain cold brew. I love that. I'm a big iced coffee person. I think I choose iced coffee more than, you know, hot. And what is a book every woman should read? Okay. I feel like this is an answer that you probably have never gotten, but The Awakening by Kate Chopin, which is like, you know, (laughs) feminist fiction from many, many years ago, like decades and century even. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I think I read it as a young girl when I was about 14 or 15 and um, it just really lasted, like made a lasting imprint on me that you don't have to be what society tells you to be. And it's important to tap into your emotional state and, you know, pursue what you want. You don't have to just do what society tells you to do. So I always live by that. And my favorite quote ever is the voice of the sea speaks to the soul. And Mm. that is from the awakening. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Charlotte.
Of course. Thank you. This was amazing. This was fantastic. I loved having you on. Thank you for joining us. You guys, if you like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. We are brought to you today by Bet Online, and I will talk to everybody next week. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.